Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Gigi Diaz. She is a life coach for women, the founder and CEO of Seizing Happy Coaching and a media personality. How are you doing today, Gigi? I'm doing fantastic. Got my coffee here. Excited to chat with you. How are you doing? You're all set. I love it. I'm doing yeah. very well. <laughs> I'm doing really, really well. Today is a great day. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us here on the Empowerography Podcast. I'm grateful and thankful to have you here. I appreciate you. Absolutely. I love what you do. I love the way that you showcase the beautiful, powerful, and empowering stories of women. So I am actually honored to be here, able to partake with you and your audience. Well, thank you very much. So Gigi, let's jump right in. As mentioned, you are a mindset and social media branding coach. You help women in the industry. You are the founder and CEO of Seizing Happy Coaching. You're a podcast host, a media personality. You also created a signature program you call the three R's system, reevaluate, restructure, and reset your life for success with less stress. That's a hell of a lot of hats that you're wearing, Gigi. How do you find the time to and stay organized and prioritize? You're so funny. When you say it like that, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's really a matter of priority. You know, mm -hmm. we have 24 hours in the day. And as long as we are able to know where we want to end up at the end of that day, where we want to end up at the end of the week, where we want to end up at the end of this quarter. And where we want to end up at the end of the year, it becomes incredibly easy to know where your time should be spent. And what happens is a lot of the times we want to do all the things and we want to do all the things at the same time. Yeah. And that's where we fail ourselves. And we also fail those things that we want to accomplish. And so it's a matter of knowing, you mentioned wearing multiple hats. I mm -hmm. actually just had that same conversation with a client of mine where you just need to know which hat you're wearing when, because right. you certainly can't wear multiple hats at one time, right? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you physically, literally cannot, you can't in life either. So you want to do your best, whether it is to wear one hat each day. So there are some days where I am the CEO of Seizing Happy and I am wearing my CEO hat. And right. those are the decisions that I make. And those are the activities I do. There are days that I am wearing my employee of Seizing Happy hat, mm -hmm. right? On those mm -hmm. days, I am a coach. On those days, I'm doing other things, right? And so- that's what I allocate my attention to. There are days that I am wearing Gigi Diaz as my hat, right? Yeah. Those days I am a fiance, I am a daughter, I am a dog mom. And that's not to say 
that there aren't moments within my day when I have to step out of one role into the other. Right. But I try to do my best to prioritize what each day is going to look like the day before. And if I need to change hats midday, I do it intentionally. In other words, I don't stay dabbling in my CEO role while working in the business, right? Right. Like I don't work while I'm with my fiance, unless there's a reason why we're working together, right? I don't work when I'm with my mom, you know, I spend time with my parents intentionally. I don't even have my phone on me when I do, you know? So to intentionally dedicate yourself to the role in which you want to be in that moment is essential. And then, you know, plan out your year. We often just get caught up in doing, right? Like, here's my routine. Here's my nine to five. Here's my business. Here's the kids. Here's the husband. And you just go and go and go and go. Mm. Strategize your year. Plan in your day, your weeks. Plan in playtime. Plan in date night. Plan in family time. Plan it all in. Really take control of your life. Don't let your life control you. I think that's a huge lesson for entrepreneurs, especially to learn how to prioritize and how to focus and to be able to shift from one hat, as you say, to the other and, and also carve out that time for you, because if you're not filling your own cup, you're, you're useless to everything else in your life, whether it be your family, your friends, your business, all of it, you have to be able to prioritize and carve out that time for each individual task. It is so important. I think that's something that we, we as entrepreneurs struggle with quite a bit. Absolutely. Hey, it only took me ending up in a hospital to realize that. There you go. See, and we'll talk about, we'll talk a little bit about that later. That's all it took. So Gigi, what does your, and I'm sure it changes from day to day, but generally what does your morning routine look like? Oh my gosh. I love this question because I just switched up my morning routine now that I made some really big changes in my life in the last few months. And so this is exciting. All right. So there are non-negotiables in my morning routine and then there are negotiables, right? So for example, non-negotiables is no phone when I first wake up, right? It's the toughest thing because the first thing I want to do is check, you know, my emails and if any one of my clients like sent something in or whatever. So no phones, 52 ounces of water. I have this little jug. I actually have it with me all day long. So 52 ounces of water outside. So I wake up, I go outside, I sit in my patio in my home. I let Mm -hmm. my dog run around and do her business. And I drink 52 ounces of water. That's the non-negotiable. Right. Now, sometimes during those 52 ounces of water, I'll read my book. I have a new goal that I want to meet for 2022. And that is to read one book each month. And I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine the other day. She's like, I've had that goal for like a hundred years and I've never (laughs) been able to do it. And I'm like, do you allocate time to read for 20 minutes a day? She's like, who has time to do that? Well, why do you set a goal that you don't have time to accomplish? Right? Yeah. So now that these 52 ounces of water are non-negotiable in my mornings on the days when I'm drinking my 52 ounces of water outside, and I know I'm going to have more time out there, I'll take a book with me. Right. And on the days when I know I'm just going to drink my 52 ounces quickly because it's just, it's got to get done. Cause I have yeah. things to do. Like I have to get on this interview with you or I have to, you know, I have an early call with a client or I right. have to, you know, whatever it is on those days, I may not read out schedule in my reading for a later time. So oh. that's the essence of it. Then there's confidence. Then on like slower mornings, I'll eat my breakfast outside as well. I try to do as much as I can outside in my morning as possible. And then, you know, I try to get some movement in. So I try to switch that around 
Sometimes I'll do yoga. Sometimes I'll take my dog for a long, long walk, but that could happen at any time during the day. Are you part of the 5 a.m. club or maybe 6 or 7 (laughs) a.m.? Nope. 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 Don't get me started on that. (laughs) Listen, I come from 10 years in radio and in those 10 years, I did traffic for a while, which required me waking up at 345. So you can tell the 5 a.m. club to come talk to me about waking up. There you go. They could learn a thing or two from Gigi. (laughs) Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. And then after I was doing traffic, I upgraded to doing mornings, which was great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not actually because you have to be up by like. (laughs) You have to be in the studio ready to function mm-hmm. by like 5.30, 5 a.m., 5.30, you know, which requires you to wake up like at four in the morning, 4.15, if you can just throw yourself together quickly, which I learned to do <laughs> very yeah. early on. Yeah, no, I, I think that the 5 a.m. club works for some people. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessary to be successful that you be up at 5 a.m. Right. I think it depends on you. Yeah, very true. So Gigi, what inspired the jump for you into becoming a coach? Complete and utter burnout and falling apart. (laughs) Oh, well, that's not good. It was great, actually. It's probably one of the greatest bad things that have happened to me or Mm -hmm. for me. So I became an entrepreneur when I was 18 years old. I opened my first business right out of high school. Well, I graduated at 17, but that's besides the point. I (laughs) I, I opened my first business. It's called Gigi's Academy. It's still open today. When I got out of high school, we've actually, it's a dance studio and we've been ranked top three dance studios in our city for the past four or five years consecutively. And I opened the business because it's what I knew how to do. I knew how to dance. I've been dancing since I was four years old. I worked, I competed, you know, nationally, I was born in Cuba. So when I got my dance training, we would do videos and like we compete internationally in Spain. Like it was, it had very good professional training and dance. And so in high school, right. And my mom opened up a newspaper called in contacto. My mom is the biggest badass you've ever met in your life. She is the most (laughs) like outgoing. I don't care. I'm doing it anyways. You know, that's her. So she opens this newspaper. I'm 15 years old. She comes into my room one day like doing homework. And she's like, by the way, we're opening a newspaper. Your dad's going to be the photographer. He already bought a camera today. And you're the only one that knows how to use that thing. As she points at my very old <laughs> Packard Bell computer, which barely functions. Like it would freeze playing solitaire. Right. Oh, so she's man. like, you're the only one that knows how to use that. So you're going to be the graphic designer. There's a guy coming tomorrow. He's going to teach you how to do it. And I'm like, what did you just say to me? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I have homework. I have projects. Mm. You demand a three point something GPA so I can get into college. We didn't have any money, you know? And she's like, well, I don't care. Do your homework earlier. He's coming at five o'clock or whatever time he was coming. So his name is Argote. He was really, he was old then and I'm old now. So this was a long time ago. <laughs> and he <laughs> was like really slow paced, calm, you know, like, so you're going to click here <laughs> and then the menu is going to open and you're going to click new page. Beat it up, so, buddy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm like this wild 15 year old kid and I'm like, what does this button do? What does this button do? So I immediately fell in love first with him because he was just so kind and slow to teach me and patient with my extreme levels of, of like acceleration. And I fell in love with it. So at 15, 16 years old, I was doing the graphic design for the newspaper. And then I became a contributing writer for the newspaper. And I would write my columns in Spanish and in English. And I was okay writing about how to get into college. Cause that's what I knew, right. How to get into college. And I was teaching it in Spanish so that the parents like mine 
who didn't speak English could help their kids too, right? Because it was tough for me. I, I got lucky that I had a counselor in school that was really, he he loved me and he like saw so much potential in me and he helped me a lot. But a lot of kids didn't have that. So I would interview my counselor and write columns on the things that he would teach me about getting into college. So it was, you know, I fell in love with journalism from the start. Then I started working for other newspapers and, and other magazines, right? As a contributing writer, but that wasn't enough money to buy books and to pay for a car. So I knew I had to do something that was going to give me money when I got out of high school and opening a dance studio just made sense. I had been working in television prior. So like I told you in Cuba, I danced my whole life. So I started dancing when I was four years old. When I came to the United States, I became a part of a dance team for an internationally known show called Sábado Gigante. It's like the second longest running TV show in all Latin America. And they used to pay me a little bit to perform there. They gave me a scholarship for dance. So I didn't, my parents didn't have to pay for it, thankfully. And I got incredible training there as well. So I'm like nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, learning to dance, making a little money. I learned acting there. So I started doing commercials. I made commercials for Frosted Flakes. I did a couple things and I had a little money put away. So I get out of high school and my mom's like, so uh, what are you going to study? And I'm like, well, I'm going to open a business. She goes, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, what are you going to study? <laughs> it's like, I didn't bring you to this country to just do things. And I'm like, what are you talking about, mom? Like, I'm going to open a business so I can make money. I'm going to go to a college and I'm going to, she goes, okay, as long as you go to college, I don't care what you get a degree in. You just have to get a degree. Right. So this was like the mentality, right? Like you must have a degree, degree equals success. Total garbage, by the way. But just so, you know, this was, this is what I was getting told at home. So I go to college, open my dance studio, fast forward. Cause if I tell you this whole story, we'll be here six and a half hours, but <laughs> fast forward, I am pursuing my master's degree. Now my dance studio is still open, successful. I'm very involved. I am also now I've evolved from print journalism to television and I'm starting to dabble in radio, right? So I'm starting to get invitations to do radio and I'm really liking it. So I'm doing the best of the best, right? Isn't yeah. that what like every overachiever out there is like, I want to do the best of the best and do the mostest, right? So I'm running the business. I'm working in television. I'm doing sports, which is a good moneymaker. And I'm traveling to report on harness racing, on harness races, right? So then I am doing radio. So of course, in radio, I'm like, well, I want to do mornings because that's the best slot. And of course, I need all the tools under my belt, right? Because I'm competing against the boys in a male-dominated industry. So I want to get my master's degree. So now we're talking... Master's degree, obviously, I have to go for the one-year accelerated program because otherwise, who am I, right? (laughs) Why do it at a normal pace? (laughs) I'm waking up at four something in the morning to do morning radio. I'm wrapping up my day at around 11, 11.45 with a 45-minute drive home and 11.45 p.m. because that's when the races are going on here. Right. So I'm on three and a half, four hours of sleep, energy drinks, power bars, getting a master's degree. (laughs) Needless to say, my hair started falling out. I had breakouts in like skin patches in my body that were disgusting. And one day I was driving on 95 and I lost my vision while I was driving and I was terrified. And so, yeah, thankfully I didn't hurt anybody else. I didn't hurt myself either. And when, you know, you go to Dr. Google and you have lupus, cancer, a tumor, all the things. (laughs) So I go, you know, Dr. Google is always going to die. Yeah. You scare the, you scare the shit out of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So then, you know, when I'm sitting in this ER and I'm, you know, getting all my blood work and all the things done and the doctor's like, are you under any like extra levels of stress? Is anything going on? And I'm like, no, everything is fine. 
I'm at my regular levels of stress. <laughs> like this, <laughs> I run like this. This is how I am built. I can do hard things, you know? Long story short, this doctor is like, well, you keep going like this. You're not going to be able to do anything because you're depleted. My hormone panel was completely off. I didn't realize that I didn't have my period was like all out of whack, right? right. Like I, it was a mess. I was a mess inside. My body was a disaster. And he told me, he's like, if you keep on on this pace, you know, you're really going to deplete your body and it could become a serious problem because I was borderline on, on my like chemicals were all off. Right. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll figure it out. And as I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, then what's the point? Like, what's the point of all this shit that I'm doing? What's the point of my master's degree to impress my mom, right? Like, that's how yeah. she's going to be proud of me. That's her definition of my success. The fuck is the point of waking up at four in the morning to do radio? Well, because if I'm in radio, I want to be in the best slot, right? Otherwise, why do it at all, right? What's the point of traveling all over the country to cover these, these horses, you know? Yeah. These horses don't know who I am. Half of them don't <laughs> want me to pet them. Like, well, it's good money, you know? <laughs> and I realized I was doing all these things to fulfill everybody else's definition of success. There you go. And this is why I always wanted to do one more thing, one more thing, one more gig, one more client, one more degree, because it, since it wasn't my definition of success, it was never enough. It was never enough. I needed one more big goal. And so in that state of burnout, I had to reevaluate my entire life everything I was doing, there was a lot of identity crisis that I went through because then now the things that defined me, you know, I'm a radio personality, I'm a television person, I'm an entrepreneur, I own a business, I work with children, I do all the things. Those things had to go. Many of them had to go. And I had to learn to say no to shiny objects, right? And right. I had to learn to set real goals because it's not get to the top, it's get to the top. And then what? You know, yeah. yep. what are you planting at the top? Can you even plant at the top? I mean, a peak is pretty narrow. You yeah. know what happens up there? So I had to reevaluate my life. I had to restructure what I was doing. So I had to rediscover me. I had to rediscover what truly mattered to me. And I learned that what I defined as success mm -hmm. was peace of mind. And it didn't necessarily come with a dollar sign or ratings. It came with having joy in my days and being able to sleep peacefully at night. And then I had to figure out how to find a way to live like that and make a lot of money because I like nice things. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to say go. it. Right? Well, hey, and if you work for them, why shouldn't you have them? Absolutely. Right. And so that burnout experience forced me to discover what I now teach, which is the three R system. It forced me to reevaluate everything, even my relationships and my friendships. It forced me to restructure. I had to take apart all the pieces, right? Think of like a, like a Lego, right? Like yeah. A big Lego thing or a jigsaw and, puzzle or something like that. Right? I don't like jigsaw puzzles because they're too <laughs> unstable. I'm not a jigsaw. I will not fall apart at any moment. I can't. All right. Chances are I won't. But, you know, with Legos, you can take pieces and you can throw pieces out and still build something beautiful. Yes, very true. You know, you can choose not to use little pieces or big pieces and still build something solid and beautiful and colorful, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to learn to do that. So I had to restructure. And then I had to reset, which is my third R. And that right. means not take a slow pace, not take your time. You've already created the structure, push the reset button and get moving. Right. And that took, this was not something I did in a week. 
this took years. Oh, this course. took receiving coaching. This took a lot of healing and it took therapy and it took, you know, a lot of things. And I discovered, you know, like energy work. I became certified in Reiki, something I only, I, I don't share openly because I only do it for myself. I learned to incorporate meditation and manifestation into, into my life and into my business in a significantly more effective way than I ever had before. And, you know, and then when I healed and I realized, holy shit, I have built a customized blueprint for successful entrepreneurship. And at that time, I was also in media. I learned to do it in a way that it satisfied me. It made me whole. It did not drain me. And I had time for family and I had time for my fiance and my dog. And I was whole. There was joy in everything that I was doing. And that's when I said, well, now I got to send the elevator back down, right? Yes, exactly. I have to help other women build their customized blueprint to success on their terms. Because it's not about what everybody else is doing. It is especially not about how everybody else is doing it. Listen, a mother of two cannot follow the same blueprint to success that a single woman with support did yeah, or that sure. a mother of two with a nanny did. Yeah. So customizing and having the courage to fall forward and to fail forward is essential, you know? And so that's where I decided to first become certified as a coach because I'm a big, I'm still a big nerd and I'm still a big, a big believer <laughs> in the certifications do matter. There's a lot of people out there who are calling themselves a coach, but they're truly advisors. And that is not what I do. It's not what I like. And it's not what a coach is. An advisor is somebody who tells you what they think you should do. A coach is somebody who helps you to explore within so that you can be confident in what it is that you know you need to do. Discover what it is you need to do and then have the courage and confidence to do it. Because as an advisor, Brad, I can tell you all day what I think you can do to your podcast. I'm a podcaster too. I can advise right. you on podcasting. Yep. I have 20 years experience in media. But if I don't know about you, your lifestyle, how involved are you with your daughters? How much do they require from you of your time? How much does your business require from you? All these other things, your own limiting beliefs, your own beliefs about what a podcast is. I can't just go into your business and tell you what to do because that's coming from my view, my eyes, my limiting beliefs, my ideas of success, my ideas of which way things should go. But this is your podcast. That's right. Shouldn't yeah. it come from you? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. But you I think we, we, too, we, we have to be open to hearing that as well, to hearing advisement or advice or suggestions from others. There's a lot of people that aren't good with that. They, they don't like that. They don't, they can't deal with, and I don't want to say the word criticism because that sounds negative to me, but they're not open to suggestions from other people. And I think we have to be more open to that. I agree. And this is also why I chose the coaching route and not the advising route because a right. coach will never suggest. There you go. A good coach will yeah. never suggest or advise. A good coach should only ask questions, the right questions that are going to help you uncover what you suggest to yourself. That's it. The coach is there to create and cause moments of pause and thinking and get your clients' minds moving in the right direction. Exactly. Exactly. So speaking of coaching, you being a mindset coach, can you speak to how important a part mindset has played in helping you through your personal struggles and just how important mindset is to our daily routines and our successes? Well, I had to unlearn everything I knew. 
And that is literally what mindset is. So I once heard this shared and I I wish I could remember who shared it, but she read it in a book and I don't remember what book she read it in, but this was the most beautiful depiction of how mindset works. When we're born, Mm -hmm. these little creatures stumbling around, we are given a garden. Your garden is your mind, right? Mm -hmm. Your mind, your brain, but you don't know how to tend to a garden when you are three years old, you know, when you're born. And so- our parents take from their gardens and they plant some seeds in our gardens, depending on the gardens that they have. So whatever was planted for them, they'll take a couple things and put it in your gardens. Our grandparents will put some things in our gardens. They'll plant some plants, some trees, you know, our other people of influence. So if you grew up in a church, if you grew up in school, your teachers, you know, what culture you're in, the media, all these things, all of them have access to your garden when you're young, because you kind of don't. You know, from the, think about it from the ages of being born to like six or seven, these are the fundamental forming stages of your life. And you can't really think for yourself. Everybody's telling you what to do and what is true. You know, yeah. this is what you do. This is how you say hello. Even everything, right. everything, how you say hello in a Hispanic culture, you have to, you give people kisses and hugs. doesn't matter if you don't know them. Right. And whereas in another culture, you shake hands and we're like, where's right. And what's wrong. And what do women do? What do men do? All these things are planted in your garden. And then one day they just leave you to your own devices in that garden. And now you have all these pre-existing beliefs in that garden. You have all these preconceived notions that have been growing and growing and all these weeds are in there, you know, and we don't usually stop to think what's in my garden that I don't actually want there anymore. Which one of these plants? So which one of these beliefs doesn't really serve me? My parents did the best they could. Yeah. Yeah, They did the best they could, but this doesn't apply to me anymore. This doesn't help me. They taught me their money beliefs because for example, in my case, my parents are immigrants, you know, and they, their money beliefs is you have to work really freaking hard to make money. You have to work hard. If you're not working hard, you're never going to get anywhere. Right. But A, that's not the truth. And B, that led me literally into a hospital working hard when I could have made the same amount of money working less. Yeah. So I had to love that analogy of the garden though. I love it. I think that's brilliant. We have a responsibility to go into our garden, look at what's in there, And take out the weeds and say, thank you. Thank you for planting this here, but I don't need this anymore. And you have the power to take a giant tree from your garden and say, you are useful, but not there. And I'm going to move you to another place. Think of it like the Sims. You can just pick shit up and put it wherever you want. You know? (laughs) Transplanting. Yes. Yeah. Transplant this giant oak tree. You can do that Mm -hmm. if you want to. You can also tear it down. I love that. That is amazing. It is amazing. I wish I knew what book that came from because A, I'd love to read the book and B, I want to cite, you know, I want to give credit to the person who wrote about this. Well, if you, um, if you, if you happen to find out, please do let me know because I would love to check that out as well. And if there are any listeners who know where this comes from, please Mm -hmm. let us know so that we can can know as well. What happens also, I want to add, Brad, Mm -hmm. is that with these beliefs, what's in your garden, sometimes we don't know what's in there. Yeah. And thoughts, so beliefs, your thoughts, sometimes are subconscious and they're so deeply rooted in our minds and in our processes and in how and who we are that it's difficult to find them by yourself to weed them out. And that's another job that a coach has is to help you find where those limiting beliefs are. Money, money mindset is a big one, you know, like, like that, like working hard 
is the equivalent of making money when and it's not. Which equals success. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Another yeah. one is, you know, success, you know, people with money, they're all evil. They've all done something to get up there. Not necessarily. Yeah. It's not true. No, very true. You're right. You know, and then that creates a distance between you want to make money, but not too much money, but you yeah. want a lot of money, but you don't want to be bad That's because right. those people are all bad. You know, That's like right. all these things that we're told, you know, like money doesn't grow on trees. What the <laughs> fuck does that even mean? I Get can't even with tell you shit, how many you know? times I heard that as a kid. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. And it's like, I don't want to hear that shit. Right. But when you're told that all the time. Yeah. How do you feel about money? For sure. If you're told something enough repeatedly over and you start to believe it, right? It's, uh-huh. it gets into your subconscious. It gets into your mind. We don't have a money tree growing out in the backyard. You know, you can't just go back uh-huh. out in the backyard and pick money off that tree. This yeah. is not the way it works. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you know you're what? talking about. <laughs> Maybe not in the backyard, but I can certainly tell the universe, you know, I need right. more money. That's right. And that's infinite. And it hears me, it hears you, it hears everybody. Mm -hmm. And so these thoughts, conscious or subconscious, create emotions, emotions of fear, emotions of excitement, whatever emotions your thoughts create, trigger actions or inaction. And -hmm. that's where your results come from. For sure. So the result of your relationships, the results of your business, the result of your health, the result of everything is starting in your thought process, in your mindset, everything. Oh yeah. Everything starts within self. The self is the foundation for absolutely everything, everything, 100%. So Gigi, in your, in your coaching business, do you work specifically and only with women? And if so, why did you decide to focus your energy and business on helping empower women through coaching? And why is this so personally important to you? No offense to the dudes, but <laughs> <laughs> look, I feel like um, I started in business really young at 18. I told you. And when I was 18 years old running a business, A, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Let's start there. Right. And, you know, my friends didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't have a circle of women around me who said, hey, Gigi, avoid this mistake or, hey, Gigi, here's a way to do this better, you know? And at that time, I'm talking 2003. You know, there weren't a lot of dance studios in the direct area where I was, but the few that were there, it was so competitive. It was so competitive. And I remember thinking, man, I want to go to that dance studio and I actually want to enroll and just dance for fun, you know? And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I wonder if she's struggling with this. You know, I wonder if I could ask her, how do I, you know, like, how do I deal with this, you know? But also knowing, innately knowing that I better not show up at that dance studio. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you just don't do that. You just don't do that, you know? And now, you know, many years after opening the dance studio, I also got to a point where I was like, you know, I now don't feel like I need to ask anymore because I've just fallen on my face so many times. I wear a mask, you know, <laughs> like I'm good to hit the ground. Um, yeah, it's fine. You got I don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Like, fuck it. You know, I'll, I have so many scabs on my knees. I don't care, you know? And I became very comfortable with making mistakes and I became comfortable with losing money. And I became comfortable with screwing it up because I had to, because I didn't have the support of other entrepreneurs pouring into me and helping me. And that's okay, but it's not necessary. And it shouldn't be the way. And I'm not the only woman who went through entrepreneurship that way. I know that. And so we, I believe women for many, many years, for many, many lifetimes have been 
taught to believe that we must compete against each other. And that's not the case. I mean, look at the way men do it. Men support each other in their careers. Men give each other an open door. You know, a dude gets promoted and he immediately wants to promote his friend. You know, men go out and talk about business and investments and marketing and money and the stock market. And they talk about how much money they lost in the stock market. Women Uh go out and talk about each other. And it is a culture that needed to be changed. And it is now changing dramatically. But when I started as a coach three, four years ago, I remember thinking, I want to have a say in how women talk to each other and what we talk to each other about and how we address each other and respect each other in business and support each other. Because the truth is that nobody, there are a bazillion mindset coaches out there, but nobody can do it how I can do it because I mean, my magic is unique. My perspective is unique. My delivery is unique. The way I speak is unique. So you either love me or you don't. And if you don't, I will recommend you to another coach who I also know is an absolute fucking badass at what she does. And she does it different than I do. You might like her style better. And that's my fiance says I idle at 150 miles an hour. (laughs) That may not be the pace for everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's, you know, that's one thing that I have learned in my journey of entrepreneurship is that getting over that competition mindset and you know what, realizing that no one else can offer what I offer because I am unique. No one else is me. And that's a huge thing for entrepreneurs, a huge struggle that we need to learn to get over and be okay with. Also why I work with women is because women have different needs than men. Right. I've had male clients Mm -hmm. and I won't, you know, I, I, back in the day, I wouldn't turn them down because, you know, in the beginning, it's like, okay, well, I also want to explore why do I only want to work with women? You right. know, I was like, I prefer working with women, but I would also take male clients because I'm a coach. My right. goal, my purpose, my drive is to help. But when I would work with male clients, I would discover that they don't have the same needs and I prefer working with the women, right? right. For example, men struggle less with the guilt of sending the children off or mm-hmm. of putting their business first. And so because they generally struggle less with that concept, it is easier for them to grow their business, right? Whereas women struggle with guilt of, well, you know, I do this exercise with a lot of uh, events that I do, where it's like, list the five most important things that depend on you in your life, Uh you know, list, list those five things. And, you know, the women will almost always be like my children, my husband, my business, my dog, my parents. And I'm like, how many of you put yourselves on that list? Now, all of these things depend on you and you're not even taking care of yourself. That's right. Well, when I put myself for, how am I going to do that? Oh my God, my kids, listen, your kids can eat pizza for one night. If it means that you are going to wake up a whole person in the morning. For sure. You know? but that comes from societal conditioning though, too. Absolutely. Right? It does. Again, That's... these are mindsets that yeah. we are given. This is shit that gets put in our, in our garden yes. <laughs> that we need to rip out. You have yep. no idea how many women I speak with. I coach, I've ha- I have coached in the past moms who I have asked, do you have support? Well, my husband is, you know, are, are you with your husband? Yes, I'm with my husband. Is your husband in the household? Yes, my husband is in the household. Okay, so what are his responsibilities with the kids? And they're just like, <laughs> I'm like, boo-boo. 
what do you mean? Well, he can't cook for them. Does he have to cook for them? Can you meal prep for them? Yeah. You know, like, are the kids going to implode if you leave them with your husband for three hours? He doesn't take care of them the way I do. Not the question. Yeah. Does he take care of them? Are the kids going to be dead <laughs> if you come back <laughs> is, is three hours Is he responsible enough to look after them? <laughs> like, will he keep them alive for yeah. three hours? <laughs> come on, you know, but you want to wear a lot of moms out there want to be super mom, you yes. know, and there is an erroneous, an erroneous belief that if you put your kids in your husband's care, the man who made them with you, the man who agreed that he was going to father them with you when you first got married and decided to grow a family, that leaving your kids in his care means that you're not a good enough mom. But again, these are these are conditioning things. Conditioning and, beliefs yeah, that are false. Yeah, for sure. Women, um, for the women that are listening and Brad, take off your, your headphones. You got to train these men to do what they need to do. Yeah. <laughs> you need to condition them the same way that we have condi- been conditioned. For sure. You can condition the men and women in your life to be what you need them to be for you. And you have the power to do that because you can do it from love. Yes. You can do it from care. You mm-hmm. can do it from kindness. Yeah. And that is not... A lot of women, well, I can't, I don't want to manipulate my husband into taking care of his kids. What the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean? Manipulate? That what, word shouldn't even enter about? into the sentence, manipulate. That's his well, responsibility as a father and as absolutely, a husband. Absolutely. <laughs> you, these are, it, these are it, words I've heard from clients, Brad. I'm not making this shit up. Oh, I, you know, I completely believe you. I went through that as a kid. My biological father was very hands-off. He was never around. He didn't do jack shit with us. It was my mom doing everything. Yeah, that's the way it was. And this is societal conditioning. But me being raised by women, I was taught that, hey, no, just because you're a man doesn't mean you don't have to do shit that women do, like help around the house, house clean, dishes, all of that. You have to do that shit. Think about it. That's it. That's but I was raised that way. I was taught that way. And I mean, growing up when we were done dinner as kid, clear the table, help with the dishes, set the table for your parent. That's what you do. No matter if you're a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter. These are your responsibilities, period. There's no divisiveness or no division where these chores are for women and these chores are for men. That's it. And I know that that does exist and that did exist as kids in some families, but I'm speaking specifically about how I was raised. There was no gender specific tasks. You fucking do this and that's it. Sorry, you don't have a say. Well, period. think about it. When you were raised, women, your your mom was yeah. trying to also explore different responsibilities that women before her did not have. Yes. Because look, back in the day, the women were in the house, right? And yep, the men were sure. out getting the bacon, right? Like yep, you were yep. out working. So yeah, of course, of course, yep. I'm going to take care of the house. Of course, it's going to be impeccable. I'm here all day. Yeah. This is my one responsibility is to, and this is a big responsibility to mm-hmm. keep a home and keep these children. Sure. Yeah, of course. And yep. that is an honor to do. But then as time has changed, as women have evolved, we've come into the workforce, you know, Mm-hmm. We are now making a lot of money, not as much money as men. A lot of women are still underpaid, but that's not the conversation yes. we're going to get into right now. Yeah, you are that's out a whole in other the episode. workforce. <laughs> yeah, so now you are doing dual duties. Yeah. yeah, you're out there and you're in the house. Well, guess Absolutely. what? Now we went out of the house into the workforce. Now you got to bring the man from the workforce into the house because yeah. now we're equals. 
Yep. Now we're really equals in responsibility. We're not talking about pay. We're equal in responsibility. You live in this house. You must learn to do the laundry. You live in this house. We're going to take turns with the dishes. You live in this house. You have to help because I go out there and I get the bacon too. That's right. I agree with you 100%. And this, this right here, this conversation, this particular topic, that's a whole podcast episode in itself as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. and it all goes back to mindset and self-belief and societal conditioning, all of it. It's all tied in and relative, right? It also has to do with self-worth feeling that you're worthy enough as a woman to ask your man for what you need Mm -hmm. from him and that you're going to get it and that you deserve to get it. Yeah, for sure. Gigi, how did you come up with the name and how long ago did you start Seizing Happy? So Seizing Happy, I think it's three and a half, four years now since we opened Seizing Happy, something like that. And where it came from is the knowledge that we can be in a state of seizing happy. We all want to be happy, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But happiness isn't a constant thing. You're not no. always going to be happy, no. right? Like you're not always going to be like giggle, giggle, ha, 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 right? No. Like it gets tough and you're going to cry, you yeah. know, and that's okay. But you deserve and you have the responsibility to even in your sadness, even in the darkness, even when, you know, things are difficult to be seizing happy, to be in search of your new happy. It could change. It changes in different phases of your life and different seasons. Your definition of happiness will change. And to be in that state of seizing your happiness mm-hmm. is, I feel, our responsibility. We're put on this earth for joy and greatness. And you choose whether you want to live a life of joy and greatness or you want to do otherwise, you know, and you yeah. can choose to be seizing happy. And the way it, it, it works together with the logo, the logo for the company is a broken circle. It's like two brush strokes and the circle's mm-hmm. broken in the middle, but they continue from each other. And it represents the same thing. It's not a circle of constant happiness. It'll break. It'll be a thicker stroke in some seasons of life. It'll have mm-hmm. more paint in other seasons of life. It'll be multicolored, yeah. but it's always a circle and it bleeds into each other. And you can be seizing happy at any point of your life, up or down. I love that. That's brilliant. Now, I know when you and I first spoke, we touched briefly in our conversation on the word hustle. And I believe we're both of the same. Word. Yeah, I believe we're both <laughs> the same mind when it comes to that word. Can you tell us what you think of the word hustle and its use in the entrepreneurial world? Okay. When I say the word hustle, hustler, what mm. comes to mind? What do you well, when you say hustler, men's magazine comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else goes in there hustle, in the entrepreneurship space? What do you see? Hustle. I, th- I think you've got to constantly be working, working your ass off. Yeah. And that's, I'm hustling. Yeah. yeah. I'm grinding. I'm doing yes. all the things, you know? Now, when I say the word CEO, mm-hmm. what comes to your mind? Someone in a suit, a, a woman or a man in a, in a business suit owning and shit. What it, and owning shit. And what are they like? They're delegating. They're delegating. I mean, CEOs work, don't get me wrong, but they have people under them to take care of the day-to-day stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, a hustler is somebody who's always going to be doing. Yeah. Doing, 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 doing all the things, you know? And a hustler, when you think about it too, even by the definition of the word, Mm -hmm. a hustler is somebody who is just kind of like, maneuvering. It's not necessarily strategizing. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily somebody who's growing. It's not necessarily somebody who is enriching. You know, a hustler is just hustling, just making ends meet, 
just making it happen, right? So I hate that word. Yeah, me too. I hate it. And I don't, use, I don't use the word shit. hate. Yeah. Well, and not only that, like it, what it represents, I don't want to hustle. I don't want to yeah. be a hustler. I was a hustler for a long time. I thought that shit was cool. Yeah. I'm not a hustler. I'll never be a hustler again. You know, a CEO is what I am. I am the CEO of my life first. I am in charge of my life. I delegate in my life. I structure my life. I strategize my life. I strategize me. Mm-hmm. And then- I go and be the CEO of my business and I strategize my business and I move strategically and intentionally for it to grow. And I'm not distracted by the bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I align myself with other CEOs, with other knowledgeable people. I like that you said that because it reminds me of a meme I've seen where it's got the word hustle and it's crossed out with three lines through it. And then underneath it, it says it has the word align. Yeah. There you go. And a friend of mine, a good friend of mine always says to me, you mentioned the word doing, doing, doing. Good friend of mine says we are human beings, not human doings. Yep. So it's all. I agree with you. So Gigi, as previously mentioned, you're also a podcast host. Can you tell us a bit about your podcast, the title, subject matter? Is it interview style? Is it solo? Is it a bit of both? Oh, it's both. It's both. Yeah. I do some solo episodes on there, but I also like to feature experts in their fields. And Mm -hmm. so the podcast name is chats with Gigi. Okay. And it's a weekly podcast where we dive into nurturing the business. This is the whole thing with seizing happy is nurturing the business and the woman behind the business equally, because your business is an extension of you, you know? So on the podcast, I'll bring people on who talk about business. So we can talk about marketing. We can talk about social media branding. We can talk about all those things. And then I also bring on guests who talk about breath work and, you know, how to be intentional and how to be mindfulness. And I bring on a lot of authors, especially this year, since my goal is to read a book a month, I've I've been reading quite a bit and I bring on a lot of authors to talk about their books. I think that pausing to read and educate yourself is, is essential as an entrepreneur. And so there's a little bit of everything in there and it's a leisurely podcast. And the way I like to keep it is for the most part, we keep the episodes short and sweet. So, you know, it's, they're bite-sized. You can listen to them on the car, on the way to Publix. You can listen to them while you're doing your shopping and you'll probably be done listening to it by then, you know, yeah. because there's just different styles and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Cause also sometimes I'll just bring people on conversations that I'm curious about, like, I um I had a former professor of mine from back when I was doing my bachelor's. I, I got my bachelor's in sociology and anthropology, and mm-hmm. I had this professor, Dr. Jerry Brown. He's the first person to have taught psychedelics and culture in any university in the, in the United States. And I took that class with him when I was in college, and he just <laughs> reopened it. And, you know, the conversation around the benefits of psilocybin has been rampant in the past year or so. Mm-hmm, yeah. And the benefits, you know, we've had people like, uh, you know, former MBA stars and Will Smith and his wife and a bunch of other people talk about how microdosing has truly helped them to, you know, think better, release stress yeah. and have less anxiety and all these other things. And I remember waking up one day, I was having that conversation with a couple of friends and I was like, man, I need an expert in this, you know, like, yeah, I wonder if there's like anybody out there who's actually knowledgeable, not somebody who's pushing a product, not somebody right. who's part of a study, not somebody who's like planning to open a whatever <laughs> yeah. in a year. Like, I don't want to hear from that guy. Yeah. I want to hear from somebody who's like really in the, in the research. And I kid you not, Brad, the next day I had Jerry Brown with whom I had not spoken in years Yeah. in my email saying, hi, Gigi, 
just a heads up, I'm reopening the class that you took with me, you know, a hundred lifetimes ago. Yeah. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk about psychedelics and culture on your podcast. And I'm like, Jerry, I swear to God, I manifested you. Like, there you go. And for the record, before then, I was still calling him professor. And I told him in the interview, I'm like, Professor Brown, I cannot bring myself to calling you Jerry. And he's like, it's Jerry. And I'm like, shit. The professor told me to call him Jerry. I'm going to call him Jerry now. And we did a 40-something, 50-something minute episode. I mean, this guy has traveled the world learning mm. about psychedelics in culture, you know, yeah. in the in the gospels. Like he yeah. has a book, Psychedelics and God, the true history of psychedelics in, in Christianity. Like, I mean, this guy is like brilliant. So we did a full episode on that. That was amazing. So it was just like, a, that was my curious episode. Like, all right, yeah. I know somebody else was wondering about this. Let's talk about it. That's awesome. Gigi, to date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? Hmm. Learning to let go. That's a big one. It is a big one. And it took a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of pain and a lot of work. Yeah. But learning to let go and learning when to let go and learning that it's okay to let go of absolutely everything, even if it's hard. Learning to let go is definitely my biggest win. Love it. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Curiosity and drive. I'm really curious about everything. I'm curious about the possibilities of everything, everything. It can be, it's a double-edged sword because sometimes my curiosity has led me astray. Yeah. Where it's like, well, I want to learn how to build funnels. No, I don't. I can hire somebody for that. You know, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make money off of building funnels. Right? right. So then I don't need to learn to, I need to understand how they work. Yes. But I'm really curious. And I think that helps me in my coaching because I'm curious to understand. I'm mm-hmm. curious to understand my clients. Why? I remember my, my mom had this friend, his name is Rafael. And there was a cartoon. He, he was an architect. Yeah. So he drew really well. And he was this really tall, calm human being. I was fascinated by him. Yeah. And I would always ask him like, why, why, why? And he called me in Spanish. He called me el elefantico del porque. So he drew a little elephant Yeah. and he put y porque, which means why, but why, right. but why? And I'm like, who is that? And he's like, that's you. That's you always asking why. <laughs> like I would drive him insane. It's like that little elephant is you always asking, but why? But why? <laughs> and that stuck. And I, I randomly remembered that a couple of years ago. And I'm like, I am still that fucking elephant. Like yeah. I am still that little caricature. Like, but why? That's but why does hilarious. it work that way? But why do you think that? <laughs> but who told you? And why did they tell you that? Why do they think that? So that curiosity, I think, is is important. And secondly, is my drive. I am determined to live and continue to create the life of my dreams because I deserve that. And everybody else does. Absolutely. And so I am driven. I'm very driven. I know how to pause, but I'm very driven. So speaking of success, Gigi, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Success is time. That's how I define success, to have time. It's the one thing we can't control. So having it is my definition of success. Having time means I have systems in place. My business Mm -hmm. runs itself and I'm making money so I can spend my time with my dog and cuddle on her terms because she doesn't like to cuddle (laughs) when I want to cuddle her. It's on her terms. (laughs) Spend time. Yeah. She thinks she's a cat. Spend time with my family, you know, on their schedule. My parents, I have not been able to retire my parents yet. It's a goal, Mm -hmm. but I can't yet. So I have to see them on their schedule and it doesn't always match mine. Having time to tell my fiance, Hey, let's just take the weekend and go somewhere, Mm -hmm. pack the dog, 
let's go someplace. Yeah. You know, having time to spend and to share is my definition of success. The more time I have, the more successful I feel. Time is the most valuable commodity in the world. Once it's gone, mm-hmm. you can't get it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Most important thing. Oh my God, I've learned so many things. One most of the most things. important. Yeah. One of the most important things is that we're not alone. We think we are. We think that we're alone. We think that we're alone in our journey. We think that we're alone in our suffering. We think that we're alone in life, but it's really because we are disconnected from each other, but we're not alone. You know, there's another mom out there suffering postpartum. There's Mm -hmm. another mom out there who is locked in a closet crying and feels guilty because their kids are pounding in the closet and she's debating whether or not to push the door open and knock them out so they'd fall asleep. (laughs) You know, there's another single woman out there who's in her thirties and is building an empire and Mm -hmm. can't find the right guy to share her queendom with. And she feels like it's her fault and she's afraid she's going to be alone forever. There's another woman out there who feels that now her kids have moved out and her purpose is gone and she feels alone in that, but she's not. There's another woman out there that's living that too. Even better yet, there's another woman out there who already survived that. There you go. And wants to embrace you and hug you and tell you, it fucking sucks, but (laughs) I got you. Here's what helped me. How can I help you? You know, we're not alone. We're not alone in our suffering. We're not alone in our journey. We're just disconnected. And when I realized that, when I learned that, it changed me and my business and all of my relationships because it taught me to seek out what I need instead of just wait for it to come to me, to seek it out. Stop being afraid of going to that other woman's dance studio and saying, hey, I own the dance studio six blocks from here. When I grab coffee, I need somebody else who who is doing this. Can we just bitch about these kids, even though we (laughs) love the crap out of them? Can we just talk about how annoying they can be? Can we just talk about it? You know, can we just talk about how happy we are with our clients who come and pay on the first of every month, but also how annoying they can be because they think that because they pay on the first of the month, their kid needs to go in the front (laughs) of the dance. You know, like, can we just, we love them. I love them. I love, I love, I love teaching these kids. I love their parents. You know, their parents put me through college. Yeah. Their parents pay for my mother's mortgage now. I love them. But that doesn't mean that there aren't times when there are certain clients that you just look at them and you're like, why the fuck are you so annoying right now? You know, (laughs) why are you raising your kid to be a pestering little brat? I love this little shit. But he talks back. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's okay. It's okay to embrace the duality of the difficulty Mm -hmm. of that through which you are living with love and anger at the same time, with love and frustration at the same time. For sure. Seeking out a person on whom you can lean temporarily to talk about these things and to say, man, I have this one really talented dancer who is a pain in my ass. (laughs) (laughs) All of these references, I'm sure you have gone through these exact experiences. These are literal real life experiences. I I have no doubt. (laughs) You know, or you have the really talented dancer whose parents can't pay or never pay on time, you know? And then it's like, all right, now am I 
going to be the dance instructor who's going to prioritize the dancer's talent? Or am I going to be the entrepreneur who's going to say, you got to pay on time because this is a business. Like I don't do this for joy. I do this for money. Joy is a side effect of my business, right? Like, where do you go? What do you do? I've done both, you know? How do you decide who deserves the scholarship and who doesn't? Because what if the parent is just an asshole and doesn't pay? What if the parent is really just broke? You know, like what if the parent, because I've had both, I've had really, really wealthy parents who don't pay because they don't respect my business and they pay late and they don't show up and it's a mess, you know, and the kids are incredibly talented. And then I've had parents who are barely living paycheck to paycheck, like they're in debt before the next paycheck comes in. Making these decisions at 19 years old was hard. Oh, no doubt. Making these decisions at 30 plus is hard. Yeah. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's still, those are tough decisions to make. And you don't have to make them alone. So seek out the support that you need, you know, give yourself that. Remember you're not alone and find your tribe. Yeah, that's it. Find the women that are out there that are doing what you're doing, that understand that this is a collaboration over competition world now. There you go. That our magic is stronger when we come together. For sure. Find those women. And if you don't know where they are, I have a beautiful group of them in my community that you can come and talk to. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here now. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Mm, Okay. What was your dream job as a child? I wanted to be in the FBI. (laughs) I love it. If you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Figuring it out. If you could teach the world one thing, what would that be? Kindness. What's one thing you want, but cannot buy with money? Time. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Our level of kindness. What is one of your favorite entrepreneurial books? Ooh, it's not an entrepreneurial book, really. Okay. It's A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, but be warned. That is not a book that everybody should read unless they're like ready to have their brain taken apart. I have to give that warning with that book because that book is, I I threw that book against the wall. I literally physically threw that book against the wall more than once. (laughs) I read it too young. I was not ready. It took me a long time to finish it. And that book has met my wall more than once. (laughs) What would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? Driven, helpful, and fun. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say, Gigi, are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Mm, Top three skills needed. Determination, courage, and self-love. Okay. What would you say is the most entrepreneurial thing about you? (laughs) I love that laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Because my initial answer was going to be what I have been told, which is you have a problem with authority, (laughs) but I don't, I have a problem with, with people being authoritative. Right. And there's a big difference there. I don't have a problem with authority. I've been an employee for many, many years. And Uh as long as you know how to be in authority respectfully, and Uh if you know how to lead with courage and lead Uh with love and lead leaders because I am a leader. So if you're that kind of authority where you know how to lead leaders, yeah. I have no problem with it. So I giggled because that's the first thing that gets what I've been told. Is like The reason you're such an entrepreneur is because you don't know how to be told what to do. False. <laughs> have you met my mother? She still tells me what to do. <laughs> that's not it. I would say the most entrepreneurial thing about me is that I take risks. 
I take risks. I don't care if I bust my ass in the process. I'll figure yeah. it out. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Mm, it's a combination of things. I think empowerment is a combination of self-love and courage. You know, what is one of your favorite quotes that changes to with what season I'm in? Right. But I think right now in this season, I would say, be the change you want to see in the world, because now more than ever, I've seen how I've experienced the ripple effect, the butterfly effect of not responding to situations and leading with love. I've seen the ripple effect it has when I do it for the past few years. And I've seen the ripple effect it has when other people do it and how it changes everyone around you. And so a lot of the time we spend time saying to other people, well, you're not doing this right. Or you said this wrong, or you did this or the other. And it's like, well, just be what you wish those other people were. Yeah. Be that, be kinder, be more soft-spoken, be more careful. Instead of reacting to the fact that they're not kind, which then now you're not kind instead of Mm -hmm. reacting to the fact that they're disrespectful and just disrespect them back because they disrespected you. Instead of doing that, be what you wish that they were, if that's what you feel is what's good. So be kinder, be more empathetic, be more careful, be more mindful, you know, and that's Mm going to ripple out into those people around you. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Mm, Today. Tomorrow, it might be somebody different, but today, <laughs> that woman would probably be Oprah. I knew it. I knew it. I was saying that in my head. Really? Uh, yeah. As you were sitting here saying, hmm, today, it, as you were pausing, to th- I, I said to myself, it's going to be Oprah. I know it. I just know yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. In another day, it would be Jennifer Lopez okay. because I love the empire that she has built mm-hmm. and the multifacetedness of it. Right. Right. Is that a word? Multifacetedness? Sure. It Whatever. is today. It, it is, is today. today. <laughs> it is right. for this episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> says the woman with the master's in communications. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear what Gigi said in the interview with Brad? She said multifacetedness. Anyways. So I would want to speak to Oprah because I feel like she Uh encompasses a lot of what I am in the process of building right now, you know, interviewing people who bring substance to her community. Yeah. There's a lot of mentorship that she offers through her empire. And she works so much with women. She's not Mm -hmm. exclusive to, and she has a media background. So I see a lot of myself in her and her growth, especially her being a woman and being a minority, you know, Mm -hmm. and breaking through so many barriers to unleash, to open up and let out the goddess, the woman, the queen that she is, you know, and to do it despite obstacles and to send the elevator back down, you know, like she's constantly sending the elevator back down. I love that about her. So today it would be her ask me again tomorrow. It might be somebody different. It'll be JLo tomorrow. (laughs) Maybe. I've had a lot of people say that they would love to speak to her. Another reason being all the incredible people she has sat down and spoken with and the knowledge Mm -hmm. she has gained from them to bestow onto others as well. Yeah. It's like you could pick 32,000 brains just talking yeah, to her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gigi, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Oh my God. Take more naps. 
<laughs> stop working so fucking hard and take more naps. That is right. literally what I would tell myself. Okay. Just take more naps. All right. I love it. Yeah. Don't take life so seriously. Yep. Take more naps. Put more fun into it, whatever it is, whether it's business, teaching, school, mm-hmm. sex, conversations, driving, just put more fun into it. We get lost in, I got lost for a long time in doing it and doing it right, right? Like doing it and doing it the best. Yeah. How about just doing it for fun? That's, I, I think that as we grow older and get into adulthood, we get lost in that and the responsibilities that come along with that. And we forget what it's like to be a kid and have fun like a kid think like a kid at times because they when when we're kids there is no limitations to our imagination there are no barriers we don't have a care in the world as kids most kids i won't say all because of course there are kids who go through shit and have to deal with shit from a very young age but in terms of just being a kid we forget that it's okay to just be a kid and there's nothing wrong with adults reverting back to that from time to time just to lighten lighten things up in life life's too fucking serious Yeah, but we're told. Yeah, it's conditioning. Yep. Here's another thing in our garden. Absolutely. You got to be responsible. That's right. What does responsible look like? Can I dance my way to the post office? Is that okay? Fucking A, right? You can. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Oh, you look so immature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, first of all, don't give a shit what other people think. Exactly. And that's part of being a kid, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Lastly, Gigi, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? What words of wisdom would you impart? Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Fred, where do you come up with these questions? Last 30 seconds. I like to make my guests think. Yeah. Well, I wasn't ready. Last 30 seconds to the world or to my family, like to the world, to the world, to everybody. Just words of wisdom. Learn to pause and enjoy the process and remember that it's not about the outcome. It's about what you reap in the process. Look both ways to see and love and pour into and learn from the people who are walking beside you and help each other in the process. Don't just keep going when the person beside you falls, but be also mindful not to stay too long in a place where you will not be pushed forward any longer and have more fun. There we go. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Gigi. It's been such a an incredibly inspiring conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to be here and share your viewpoints and your story and your journey. It's been such an absolute pleasure speaking with you. You are a bright, beautiful light and a truly inspirational woman. So thank you. I truly appreciate you being here. And I'm so grateful that I've had this opportunity to sit down and chat with you and learn more about you and share that with the audience. Thank you, Brad. This has been so much fun to chat with you today. Your questions are amazing and they definitely made me think. So thank you for this experience. Thank you for sharing your audience with me. And I'm just excited to see what else is next for us. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Empowerography community. I'm so happy and honored to have you here as a member. So I, I, Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Gigi Diaz. She is a life coach for women, the founder and CEO of Seizing Happy Coaching and a media personality. Thanks, Gigi. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too. 
Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.